0: so we are part of a movement and i want you to go ahead and grab your bible turn to the book of acts that's where we are you can see that back to the book of acts we're part of a movement of god's people filled with his spirit in the world animated by the power of god we said hey uh, coming out of a crazy year and into this new life spring that is coming and all that god is doing among us we said let's get back let's go way back Let's recalibrate everything that we do, everything we are, back to our original purpose. We said the purpose of the church is to glorify God, like all of life, all of creation, every moment of our lives, by making disciples is what we do. We said last week that the plan is to start where you are, in your Jerusalem, but uber local, right where you live, making disciples all the time. We're making disciples, investing in others' lives. How do we do this? What empowers us to do this? We're going to talk today about the power of the church. The power of the church is the Holy Spirit. Uh, In Acts 1-8, Jesus says, we looked at it last week, the past couple of weeks, he said, you shall receive what? Power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. Now, when you think of power today, I wonder what comes to mind when you think of power? I think a lot of times in our day, maybe we think of someone in leadership. I think we equate the word power with leadership or influence. Sometimes we don't want to talk about power. Um, we, we, we want to, it's almost like a bad word. Like, I don't, I don't know that I have power, but anyone who has leadership or position or the, how about this? The power of God, the Holy Spirit living in us, has power. We all have power. So I want to talk about power, God-given power. I think we think of people who are say CEOs or, or leading companies I heard it this week we hear it of every sitting president the most powerful man in the world I think we think of politics when we think of power what do you think of when you think of power uh, I, I guess a tender question for a lot of us um, talked about a lot in these days is the abuse of power maybe you've experienced the abuse of power I think we all have in some form because there's a worldly power that brings about abuse oppression slavery and then there's the spirit's power that brings about life in his book playing god redeeming the gift of power great book on power if you want to read any one book andy crouch called playing god he says that christians we understand at least that jesus gave up his power right Uh, philippians 2 he came all the way down to where we are, from the very top down to where we are. He died on a cross, not just death, but on a cross for us. Jesus relinquished his power, but he said we need to rethink power in our lives today. He says that God-given power in its various forms is a creative force for image-bearing at the center of our faith, and it brings about flourishing and, and Power for others, and empowering of others. He writes this, true power is creation, not compulsion. Meaning it's not forcing one's agenda onto someone else, but instead allowing that power to be given to others and to flourish and to, to have abundance in their lives and in their world. So rightly understood, we leverage power for good. And I want to talk about that as Christians, as believers. How is it the way of Jesus that I can leverage the power that I've been given? We're going to contrast worldly power up against the Holy Spirit's power. So if you take notes, uh, there's a few things I want you to see here in Acts 8. Go ahead and turn to Acts 8. We're jumping around the early part of the book of Acts. And today, um, a really fascinating story. I don't know that I've ever preached this text before. I've taught it. But we're going to meet... Maybe you know this text. We're going to meet a character in Acts 8. And it it is Simon the Magician. All right? So um, we're going to go Harry Potter on you today or something. We'll explain what he's about. But we get there in Acts 1-8. We see the place in context. The first martyr of the church uh, in Acts uh, is the Apostle Stephen. And, And we're introduced to Saul there at the latter part of chapter 7. Stephen's martyrdom then is a catalyst... For the movement that Jesus said would come. Now notice this. Don't miss this. Acts 1.8 is catalyzed by the persecution of the church in Acts 8.1. God has always used persecution in the church. Philip, filled with the Holy Spirit, goes into Samaria to preach the gospel. And when he arrives, there's a dramatic contrast between the spirit of this world, the power of this world, and the power of God. I want you to see four contrasts today. When we think of the world's power up against the Spirit's power, the first is slavery versus freedom. The second is arrogance versus humility. We're going to see greed versus generosity. And ultimately, all of this, the big difference, we're going to see that the Spirit brings, brings life over death. First, uh, slavery versus freedom. Uh, you may know that the Samaritans are a mixed bag, okay? Further context here in Acts 8. Um, they're an ethnic mix. Of Assyrians and Jews, they come out of the the exile. There's actually a religion you may not know this called Samaritanism, still exists today. They believe that they're actually the true Jew, the true Hebrew. They have their own Samaritan Torah, and this religion was forming and it was well formed. Even at this time, it's really a syncretism of beliefs. Uh, merging from Judaism and indigenous beliefs, it's God plus is really what it was. For us, it be Jesus plus something. Jesus, my ethnicity. for In my case, Jesus and my whiteness or Jesus and my politics. Jesus and my prosperity or my nationalism, wherever I'm from. And these people are caught then in the throes of demonic power. You're either under the power of God in your life or you're under another power. A demonic power... Personified in this magician that we'll meet here in a moment, named Simon. Look at verse 4. Starts like this. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the uh, the word. Philip went down to the the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. Look at this: Judea, right? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. All right, the gospel is going forth because the people, not just gathered, we talk about this all the time, but scattered out into the world, making disciples all the time. Because as we respond to opposition, uh, as I see more and more in our nation in these days and in the world, when we respond like Jesus, people see his character, they see his way, they see his love, and they're drawn to him. We've got to learn how to do this. We've got to learn how to teach our children to respond in the way of Jesus When opposition comes, look at verse six. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip. So now we're seeing the power of God, the spirit of God on Philip and he's preaching the gospel. When they heard him and saw the signs that he did for for unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy. In the city, I think of, uh, of the movement of God in the city brings about joy in the whole city. That a church like ours, and yes, other churches, as we live our lives and leverage the power, the Spirit's power that he's given to us for the sake of the city, there's much joy in our neighborhoods, in our city, and yes, in our homes. But here we see the continuation of the things that Jesus began to do and teach, as it says in Acts 1, verse 1. The continuation of a movement. Philip, empowered by the Spirit, using his power to glorify God, the result much joy to others. Now, don't miss this. The power of God upon his people is given to us for the good of others. To validate the mission of Jesus. Not to validate our own or our own perpetuate our own uh, agenda. But to perpetuate and continue what Jesus is doing. See, the Samaritans were enslaved by sin. With, with no power of flourishing or, or for the good of others. It was a society under oppression. And what we're going to see is now the, the Spirit's power coming into this place among God's people will raise them up to joy and salvation. Because we see here there is, you know, there's a lot of talk about systemic evil or sin in our day. These are individuals. This is what happens in a culture individual turn away from God resulting in a collective collectively in a system of oppression and a system of demonic activity and so we see in in scripture we see whole nations whole people groups that are called evil because of the way that they've been impacted by satanic activity we see the case here some of this can be stemmed back to and back to uh, Simon who I think we're going to going to see here in a moment a culture a nation absent of God's truth is absence of the presence and power of God I've seen it firsthand I've seen it in cultures where the gospel has not yet gone forth and you can feel the oppression you can feel the demonic oppression among the people and when I'm reading this I I, I sense it I get it this is what's happening as you are bound by a sin. You sense this oppression in your own life. I want to ask you today, what, what sins uh, enslave you? You know, last week we had uh, the men of Nehemiah here and Louis Harrell, who is the leader and founder of that group, he spoke for just a moment at our worship rally outside with all the men of Nehemiah behind him. And these are men who've been homeless, come out of homelessness. They've come out of prison. Many of them come out of addictions. And Louis himself, who's come out of addiction, And he said this, he said, hey, we just personify the addictions that all of us have. And he's right. The Bible says that we're all addicted to sin. And so so pause for a moment and consider, as we think of the Samaritans, the people who have not yet received the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives. Where are you prone to be enslaved by sin? Maybe it's... Maybe it is alcoholism. Maybe it's some form of medication. Maybe for you it's materialism. It's getting more stuff, upgrading your stuff, keeping up with your stuff. It can be a lifetime of doing that. Maybe you're addicted to the approval of others. Maybe you're addicted to work, workaholism. Where are you prone to, to be addicted or prone to find yourself caught, enslaved by sin and not freedom in your own life? And are you asking The power of God, here it is, the same Spirit of God that brought salvation into your life is the same power that can help you overcome sin in your life. Whatever that sin is that you might identify, the power of the Holy Spirit can set you free. The first thing we see here, this contrast of arrogance up against humility. You see, Philip, with great humility, is leveraging his power for the sake of, of others this is what believers always do the spirit produces humility but the contrasting uh, uh, pivot we see here is in verse 9 look at this it says but okay here we go but there was a man named simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of samaria saying that he himself was somebody great he self-identifies as great might be a first sign of pride okay Um, might be, so we're we're taking note here, Simon, his name was Simon Magus. We know him uh, even in extra biblical material outside of the Bible. He was quite famous. Magus is actually the singular form of a word you know, the word magi, right, out of the Christmas story. So he was one of them. It it, it was a group, a a sect, a group of, of those who believed in a higher level of consciousness, a higher level of Of knowledge of spiritual knowledge they practiced astrology and 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 divination and and astronomy but they were quite popular because you see when there's the absence of truth absence of God and the spirit of God among the people it's not that we don't worship we turn to something else to someone else he had become quite famous some have identified him as the father of of Christian Gnosticism that comes later uh, uh, not too long in the first century there believing that that there are levels of people, okay, some not God, but close to God, higher than other human beings. And it seems that he really is believing this, uh, perpetuating this, and, and using his power in order to glorify himself. And so in verse 10, it says this, they all paid attention to him from the least to the greatest. Everybody thought he was amazing. This man is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him because uh, for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. All right. So theologian Justin Martyr even notes in the second century says that Simon went all the way to Rome. There's actually a they they put up a statue to honor this guy. So, again, he was really well known. He was known as the great power of God. And interesting in our contrast uh, today, a study of contrast today, he was called among the pagan people was called the Holy Spirit during his time. So there was uh, this attraction to him. People are following him. Well, we see what happens. Anytime that we take on worldly power and for our own good, uh, it, it corrupts, right? It was Lord Acton who said that uh, power tends to corrupt, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. We cannot handle worldly power. And, and, and so it's, 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 it's imperative that we identify the power of, that we have. Dr. Michael Lindsay, who's a longtime friend of mine, a longtime friend of this church, he's now the president at Taylor University. He wrote a book uh, entitled Faith in the Halls of Power. And he found it interesting when he talked to presidents and leaders across our nation, I mean, at the highest level, he would ask them how they handle their power. And he said over and over again, the response would be, Well, I, I mean, I have, a lead, I have a position of leadership, but I have influence, I don't know that I have power. And he noted that our inability to name what we have uh, doesn't allow us then to have open, really honest and hopeful conversations about how we leverage the power we've been given. Let's call it power. You can call it influence, leadership, but it is power that is to be leveraged for the good of others. I find this in the same, same conversations when we talk about privilege. People respond quickly, that, I don't have privileged privilege privilege I've worked hard for you know where I am and what I've become no let's call it what it is if you have been given this this cultural power maybe it's been handed over to you through education or positions or connections we have power we have privilege that's to be leveraged for the sake of others but often power leads to pride arrogance And so the lines can be blurred. They're not always easily discerned. So are you using your God-given power for the sake of others? Or are you using it for yourself? Look at verse 12. But when they believed Philip, as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, there it is, the power to save, they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself, uh uh-oh, wait, believed, and after being baptized, he continued with Philip. And seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. Okay, now first, you see this, wait, He. wait, wait. He believed, he was baptized, and he continued. Those seem to be marks of a believer. Most often they are. But watch this. Luke adds... And he saw the miracles and the signs. He was amazed. That's for us to go, uh oh, what's happening here? Because I'm convinced that Simon is not a true believer. And I think Peter is going to confirm this with his assessment later on. What we do know is that it's possible to claim to be a believer in Jesus, it's possible to even be baptized and not be a follower of Jesus. Because our response, you see, to what Christ has done for us on the cross, we've talked about this a lot, is to give our lives as apprentices, full-time, 24-7, disciples of Jesus. That's the response. Because of all that he's done, to give glory to him, it's a complete reorientation of our lives. That we live our lives now for him completely. So look at what uh, Dallas Willard says, He wrote this, and he's probably the smartest guy that I know regarding discipleship. What you present as the gospel will determine what you present as discipleship. Most problems in contemporary churches can be explained by the fact that members have never decided to follow Jesus. Is it possible that that we can gather together on a Sunday and not follow Jesus every day? Simon ticked off the boxes, it seemed. But we're going to see his motives are twisted And he's going to use, desire to use power for himself and not for others. Philip is using the power of God to glorify God and proclaim the name of Jesus. You see the contrast. The contrast, slavery versus freedom and arrogance versus humility. And finally, greed versus generosity. Look at verse 14. Now, when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God... They sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them. What's happening here? But they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Now you cannot understand this very unique moment in the history of the church if you don't understand the the dramatic division between these ethnicities these groups and the flourishing of this new way of Jesus the gospel going forth this event I believe stands alone and what's happening here is as the gospel goes forth then there's this this almost like a Samaritan Pentecost where it's confirming that these Samaritans formerly hated even hated Samaritans are now a part of the family And so God brings the the apostles there to bring authority and to bring about the fact, yes, they too are a part of the new covenant. Look at this, the spirit falls upon them as well. But we don't see this ongoing. When you receive Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit in your life. You, You receive his power in the moment that you believe. Think about this. Often we need to acknowledge the fact that the very power of God lives in me. And allows me to overcome sin in my life. The same power that brings salvation is the same power that allows me to overcome sin in my life. Are you asking for God to bring His power upon you to rescue you from sin? Look at what happens in verse 18. Now, when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of hands, of the apostles' hands, he offered them money. Uh oh, saying, Give me this power also, so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. He's saying, I want this power. Simon's actions here reveal his his motives. In fact, we have a word for it. It's simony. It's it's a word n- after him. It, it refers to someone wanting to buy or sell the sacred things of God, maybe an ecclesiastical office. And it happened as the church moved on. He wants to leverage his own power now he thinks maybe god can bring me some power now who does this really well how about someone who prays for god's power to come upon them so that uh, i may gain some notoriety or i can do something that would bring me more power and influence how about someone who joins a church so that they might have business connections and discover clients using the things of God for one's own good. Someone in a church saying, if I could, if I could just get into that uh, on that committee or into that class, I could have more influence, seeking more and more power for themselves and not for the sake of the body and for the sake of the good of all. It can still happen today. People join a church perhaps to be an upright citizen, um, Maybe a politician wanting to connect with a certain group of people still happens today. Using the sacred, buying your way to power for your own glory and not God's glory. Look at verse 20 as we wrap up this story. It says, but Peter said to him, may your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. He says here, literally commentators say, sorry, to hell with you and your money is what Peter says to him. These are strong, strong words that he offers him here. And then in verse 21, You have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. See, worldly power produces greed. The Holy Spirit's power produces generosity and the empowering of everyone around us. And the only way to overcome this is through repentance. One of the key roles of the Spirit is to convict us of sin. Look at verse 22. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours and pray to the Lord that if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. Peter is calling him out. Sometimes we need people to call us out. Sometimes we need people in our lives to say, repent. Now, we may not run around saying that, but you need to turn from that particular habit that you have you need to you need to not speak that way not in our family we don't talk like that you're not going to speak that way in relationship here sometimes we need people to call us out to repentance and Peter does this the wording again the language is so powerful he is coming after him he's saying you have this gall of bitterness like a gallbladder he says your heart is filled with bile is what he's saying the bondage of sin in your life you reek of greed is what he's saying this is what worldly power does to us look at verse 24 and simon answered pray for me to the lord that nothing of what you have said may come upon me look at this peter says you pray you repent of your sin and then simon says hey you pray for me simon says you pray he says you pray as if he has no power no understanding of the power of god in relationship with god Simon desires the Holy Spirit so that he's able to have power and gain more wealth. The apostles go through the country proclaiming and giving away free the greatest gift of all. It's like what we saw Peter earlier in Acts 3 where he says, Hey, silver or gold, I have none. But what I can give to you, the freedom that comes in knowing Christ, who will set you free and heal you of all that is wrong in your life. So I'm asking you, are you filled with the Holy Spirit today? If you've received Christ, He resides in you. And all you've got to do is acknowledge the fact that the Spirit of God is upon you, regardless of what you're going through in these days. Whatever challenges you face, the Spirit of God is upon you. And here's what we see through it all. We see ultimately it's represented the contrast of the power of this world and the Holy Spirit is the contrast between death and life. See, the power upon us that we seek in our lives here in the world, worldly power, ultimate demonic power, is self-destructive, and it will take you down. The Spirit of God raises us up to live lives that look like the life of Jesus. There's always a link between the Holy Spirit and life. And we see it throughout the book of Acts. And this life is found in the gospel that takes us from sin and death to life. It says in John five twenty four. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but passes from, has passed from death into life. Have you received Christ and his grace today? I want us to close our time in prayer, and I want to just ask you to come before the Lord right now. Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes right now as we end our time together I want to just remind you again, the Spirit of God upon your life brings freedom over slavery in your life. What sin do you need to confess before the Lord right now? What do you need to bring to Him? What do you need to wrestle with today and throughout the coming week? He's given you power over that sin that is taking you down and robbing you of joy. The Spirit's power brings Brings humility in your life, not arrogance and pride. And the Spirit's power brings an amazing generosity of focus and love and giving to others instead of greed. And friend, if you've never received Christ, you are, the Bible says, hell bound, living in death apart from life. And the Spirit of God does not reside in you. And like Simon, you are headed to an eternity apart from him. The Lord gives you this gift today. Receive it now. If you have never received Christ, to say, yes, Lord, I believe. I thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. I confess my sin. I repent of my life. And I seek your Holy Spirit's power to let me live the life you created me to live. I give you my life. In Jesus' name I pray, we all pray, amen and amen.